Welcome to Steel City Church. We are all about connecting people to a loving God by sharing life together as we love Jesus and love all. We hope with this message you will have a better understanding of who Jesus is and what he did for you on the cross as we dig deeper into his word. Enjoy today's message. Our text uh, this week, again, if you were with us last week, is going to be Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for uh, this opportunity again to gaze into your word. God, we ask that, uh, that this morning that uh, you would give us what we, what we do not have, that you would teach us what we do not know, that you would uh, make us what we are not yet. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you were with us last week, uh, we talked about mercy and our commitment to God in view of uh, God's mercy. I'm not going to give much of a recap, but suffice it to say that as we move forward to talk about transformation, we cannot divorce the idea of transformation from the idea that we need to keep God's mercy in view. Verse 2 needs to be read in light of verse 1. What I could do, uh, what, what I could have done last week, is offer maybe four practical ways that we might seek to be transformed by God through the renewing of our minds. I might even be able to come with a, a helpful alliteration to help you remember. We might, uh, we might seek to be transformed in our families. We can seek to be better husbands and wives, parents and children, brothers and sisters. We can seek transformation in our families. Uh, we can hope for God to transform us in our factories, or our places of work. There's not as many factories these days, I suppose, but uh, how we perform our job matters. Are we respectful of our bosses and our coworkers? Do we do our jobs as unto the Lord? How about uh, transformation on the freeway? So yeah, but as a professional driver, I see a lot. A lot of what I see is not good. <laughs> not good. Still, do, uh, do I struggle, struggle with anger on the road? 
like many do. I can ask God to transform my road rage into road peace. Instead of cursing other drivers, I can pray blessings upon them. So we have, you know, families, factories, uh, freeway. How about, how about our free time? Is the way I'm spending my free time glorifying to God? Am I too idle? Do I watch more TV than I should? Am I watching things I shouldn't be watching? Am I spending time with people I shouldn't be spending time with? Do I need transformation in how I spend my free time? So, you know, I could flush those out a bit, and there you've got, got a sermon. I'm kidding around uh, a bit, right? But everything I mentioned there is actually something that God has dealt with me on uh, before. But I, I just I can't preach that sermon. I have to preach this one instead. If you were with us last week, I, I said that um, there were two reasons that I read past verse 2, even though uh, the first two verses of Romans chapter 12 are our main text. And I said that I would give uh, the second reason this week, and here it is. My transformation is not necessarily going to look like yours. If you have the gift of service and the person next to you has the gift of acts of mercy, it only makes sense that the way that God transforms you is going to be different. Furthermore, people come to Christ with different sins in their lives. An alcoholic is not the same as a gossip. Now, they're both guilty, to be sure, but their transformation is going to be different. And so it's not my job here this morning to tell you how you're going to be transformed. It's my job to teach you how to figure it out for yourself. If you look here at the second part of verse 2, it says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's not that I or anyone else discern it for you. God may call you to be a missionary overseas. I'm not necessarily going to know that. So I want to look at verse 2 in a couple of different translations that I find really helpful. Uh, first is the amplified version of the Bible. And that says, And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs. But be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. I like what this says uh, right from the beginning. It says, do not be conformed to this world any longer. It's not saying that we start up here and we shouldn't let the world drag us down. No, when we, when we come to Christ, we come with worldly values ingrained in us. Uh, we, we have these worldly views, and we get saved, and then God starts to change those after the fact. It's a transformation that, as it says, is a, a spiritual maturation that happens. I like that it mentions here, too, that the world... Uh, the superficial values and customs. Now, isn't that the truth? Many times you see in the world is uh, people being nice, people being nice but not being kind. Okay, being nice is easy comparatively to being kind. 
being nice is waiting uh, for a few seconds to hold a door for somebody. But being kind takes real work. Author and speaker Houston Kraft says that kindness is complex, it is intentional, and it is above all about self-reflection. He says it requires things like empathy, perspective, vulnerability, and other related tools. True kindness, I would say, should cost us something. When we warn people of the dangers of not following God, by the world's superficial values, we are not being nice. But I would say that it's one of the kindest things we can do. We're willing to risk what people may think of us for a truly godly purpose. I don't want to get hung up here. Uh, we could come up with other examples of worldly values versus godly ones, I'm sure. So it says, so that you may prove or discern for yourselves what the will of God is. There's a twofold meaning here. God will, by the transformation, by the renewal of your mind, reveal his plan and purpose for your life. And even more importantly, he will bring you to a place where you trust that his will for your life is better than your own. So I hope you see why commitment in view of God's mercy was so important to drive home last week. God does not ask us to just trust him blindly. He has already proven himself trustworthy. So how do we allow God to lead us here? I want to read from J.B. Phillips' paraphrase of Romans 12. He doesn't separate uh, the verses, so this is 12 verses 1 and 2. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan for, of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves toward the goal of true maturity. I like the language there, don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. But notice here, there's the negative and the positive. Don't be conformed to the world, but rather be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds. We notice something very important here. You cannot be conformed to the world and transformed by the renewal of your mind at the same time. It can't be done. You could picture it as a fork in the road. You're either walking down the path of confirmation with the world, or you're walking down the path of transformation by the renewal of your mind. And we are transformed by the renewal of our minds. I want to talk about that a little bit. Our, our minds matter. How are we to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God? The offering first has to be made in our minds. How am I lifting my arm right now? 
my mind is telling my arm to raise up and down. This is true of our following Christ, too. Some people wrongly view faith in God. They'll use terms like blind faith or a leap of faith, uh, like we believe against reason. This is not so. We're not wishing for salvation. True faith, the Bible says, is being certain of what we hope for. I have heard and read the claims of, about Jesus, of who he is, what he has done, and I find them to be true. I'm placing my trust here because he said I needed a savior. And in my heart, I know that to be true. He says I am a sinner that needed atonement, and he offered that atonement. It was in my mind first that I accepted that offer. My living out my faith flows from the mind. I study the word, or I hear it preached, and I know that I need to make adjustments in accordance with what I'm reading or hearing to bring me in line with the truth of God's word. I read that the, the Bible says, pray without ceasing. And then my mind says, yes, I do not pray enough. I need to work on that. This is renewal of the mind. And we all need it. It's not a one-step process, like bam, you're renewed. So how do we renew our minds? Or rather, how do we allow God to renew our minds? If you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and I'll uh, read starting in verse 17. Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You have a, a picture here of the futility of the, he, he uses the word Gentile, but basically unsaved, the futility of the unsaved mind versus what happens in the Christian in the renewal of our minds. Also worth noting that he talks about uh, putting off the old self and putting on the new self. That's like what I was saying about the fork in the road. You can't have both at the same time. I'm going to turn ahead just a little bit uh, to Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to read verses 15 through 18. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but is wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We, that's what we're talking about at the end of verse 2 there. 
You'll understand, you'll be able to prove and discern. Understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery or excess. But be filled with the Spirit. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, right, they were, the new believers were accused of being drunk. But Peter starts his sermon, he says, these men are not drunk as you suppose, they're filled with the Spirit. The first part about uh, how God renews us, how he renews our mind, is through the filling of his spirit. Okay. John 3, uh, 34 says that he whom God sent utters the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. So we don't, have, we don't get saved and then we have the spirit, like that, that's one aspect of it. But the word here about being filled with the Spirit, it's be being filled with the Spirit. It's a continually, it's like in perpetuity, be being filled with the Spirit. It's this be, be renewed, be filled with the Spirit, okay? And then I just want to read one more passage from Colossians chapter 3, and I'll start in verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So in Ephesians, Paul writes that we're to be filled with the Spirit. And here in Colossians, he writes that we're to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. So we're to be filled, basically, with the word. It's not, uh, this is like a, an important partnership, okay? If you try to focus on the spirit without the word, a lot of times what you're left with is like flights of fancy, kind of. You hear people who say that the spirit, you know, told me this or whatever, and it could be, it could be something totally against what the word of God says. If you have the Word of God without the Spirit of God, um, first of all, you're, you don't even understand what you're reading. You, you manipulate and twist uh, without, like First John says, the Spirit will lead you into all truth. God's Spirit, it takes His Word, it uses it to transform God's children to be more like God's Son, okay? God's Spirit takes God's Word, it transforms God's children, to be more like God's son. So if we want to be renewed in our minds, uh, we need to seek him. We need to seek the filling of his spirit, and we need to seek him in his word. We need to allow him to use his word as it does. It, it, it accomplishes the purpose that he sets for it. Okay? He changes us through it. We, we see where we fall short, and supernaturally there's just something that happens there. So are you being renewed? Are you being filled with his spirit? 
Are you allowing God's word to dwell in you richly? As, uh, as I close here this morning, if you feel a, a need for transformation in your life and you want to stand, uh, that's great. If not, that's fine too, but I'm just going to close in a word of prayer. God, we love you this morning. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. When we are not faithful, you are. You don't deny yourself, that you don't leave us where you find us, that you continue uh, to spur us on to become more and more like your son, as we're reading about being part of, of one body. God, for people who, who this morning, like I do, recognize uh, the need for continuing transformation, we just ask for, for peace, for a greater ability to trust in you, to trust that your will is better than our will, that you don't lead us in places that you're not going yourself. We thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.